Hi, this is Kipley Brown. Lieutenant Barbara Smith on Star Trek continues. Course plotted for the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. It's a little show with the side of the Alpha Quadrant. This is Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. And thank you so much for downloading and listening. This is episode number 50. Wow, we're amazed. We can't believe that we've actually hit this plateau. 50 episodes in, and we are having so much fun. I'm your co host, Bill Smith. And joining me now, as he has for the last 49 episodes, is a man who once was the president of the international Donnie and Marie fan club. He's a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, and he is the very, very musically inclined Dan Davidson. Dan, I bet you're going coconuts, buddy. I bet you don't know what color socks I have on. I bet you they're purple. Damn, you're good, man. <laughs> Happy 50th, my bud. Oh, It, it is unbelievable, isn't it? It's, it's, it's phenomenal. What a great ride this has been. And um, we're going to have some fun today. I'm looking forward to our topic of discussion. Yes, but what I would say, the, the, the best word to describe what this is, the 50th episode, mm-hmm. it's fabulous. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, we're, we're going to have some... Talking. Oh, go ahead. No, no, please. Uh, you, you go right ahead. I didn't want to step on your toes. We're going to have some recent news coming up just in a little bit but dan why don't you tell the good folks how they can get in touch with us absolutely we got a whole bunch of ways that you can uh, reach out to us as always on twitter facebook and skype our handle is trek geeks you can also send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com or if you want to give us a phone call and uh, leave us a voicemail you can do so at 508-784-1701 also we have our trek geeks facebook page but we also have a facebook group camp Kittimer. Uh, to join the group, just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and we will let you right in. There's always good discussion going on in that uh, group. Uh, but please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode, starting with episode 51. Right, Bill? That's right, Dan. Thanks so much for that information. <laughs> That's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some recent news, Dan, and there's there's some big stuff. First, let's talk about the final week to get in on our contest. What contest is that? The- no, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a great uh, contest for all you players of Timelines. As you remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about Timelines, and we have some amazing theatrical-like posters to give away. Uh, all you need to do is go to our Facebook page. Uh, right at the top, pinned at the top, we have a post for the uh, Timelines contest. It has a picture of that poster. Uh, you want to go in and join our group, our, our fleet, I should say, right, Bill, on uh, – in timelines. That's correct. Our Trek Geeks fleet. Yep. Trek Geeks fleet. And then once you do that, just go back to the Facebook page and leave us a note in that post of what your tag name, I guess, would be the best thing to call it in the game is. Ours, uh, Bill, is Trek Geek Bill. I'm Trek Geek Dan. Uh, we will let you write in uh, to the uh, to the fleet, and uh, we will pick two winners randomly. Uh, I believe it's March 15th. Is that correct, Bill? Something like that. Well, and once you join the fleet, you've got to go back to the Facebook post and type your in-game name. Right. Like I just said, you mean, right? 
Uh, it sounded like you missed that part, but okay. No, I didn't miss that. We'll go back and see. But you never listen to me anyway, so what? that's all right. So, huh? uh, yeah, and uh, I got to say, these posters are just absolutely beautiful, and we will be happy uh, to give those two away uh, in just a week or so. It'll be pretty cool. Looking forward to it. Dan, also in news. Oh, boy. So, as we record this, today it is Tuesday, March 3rd. Thursday. This but like I said, Thursday, March third. <laughs> don't don't correct those. I don't get to correct you very often, so I really take pleasure when I have. You always find it. a way to do it in the show too. It's amazing. <laughs> That's what's great. Um, today, this afternoon, just a few hours ago, CBS made an announcement released on StarTrek.com that a new executive producer has been added to the ranks for the new CBS All Access series, premiering in January 2017. Who was that person, Dan? Probably one of the biggest names in Star Trek when you come right down to it and think about it. Rod Roddenberry himself has been named an executive producer of the new series. Uh, Along with Roddenberry Entertainment COO Trevor Roth, uh, they are not pulling any punches when it comes to these announcements in the last few weeks, are they, man? They're really not. Uh, They're sending a clear message, I think. And yeah. that message is CBS is taking this very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only way I can see it. Yeah, we've had we've had pretty much the last three weeks. We've had a big announcement every week. Well, it might have been four weeks with Brian uh, with uh, Brian's announcement, but then last week, of course, we had Nick Meyer, and then this week, Rod Roddenberry. I'm, I can't wait to hear what's coming up next. It's just going to be. Pretty soon, we're going to be like, what's going to drop this week? What's going to drop this week? And so far, they have not disappointed at all. You know, there's two possible ways to look at this. And I think both of them are very positive. Worst case scenario, Rod is there in name only. And so even then, it's a PR win because it sends a clear message to Star Trek fans that, you know, we understand what Trek means and we understand what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, which is what I think it really is, is that Rod is involved mm-hmm. in the series. I agree. I think that uh, he will be involved. Um, he seems to know exactly what uh, he's talking about when it comes to continuing that legacy of his father's. Uh, and for a an announcement like this and the level that he's going to have in the new show really speaks volumes, I think. It's not just, oh, we're bringing him in as a consultant or we're bringing him in to do this or that. He's going to be uh, right up there. So I think it's going to be very positive for the entire series. I do too. And no matter how you look at it, I think it's good for Star Trek, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, anytime you can have somebody with the Roddenberry pedigree involved, I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome. I, I, I think that this is, you know, even more good news on top of Brian Fuller and on top of Nick Meyer. This, this makes sense to me. Very much so. I could not have said it better myself, so I will just say, yep. (laughs) (laughs) And Dan, continuing in news this week, it appears that there's a very big announcement from Five Year Mission, isn't there? Yeah. You know what? Before we get into that, though, I got to get something off my chest. Okay. What the heck is up with Fark? Did you see all the crap he was giving me on Facebook this week? I did. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, next time I see yep, yep, indeed, sir. The next time I see that guy, or the next time I talk to him, I'm going to give him one fabulous piece of my mind. I was really irritated. Yeah. Is it going to be a big piece of your mind? Uh, don't make me compare. Okay. Well, yeah. you're in luck because joining us right now live via the interwebs are five year missions Andy Fark and Mike Rittenhouse. Mike, Andy, welcome. Dan, take it away. Hey, Bill. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Not too shabby. Uh, uh, hi, hi, guys. Hey, Dan. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yep. You know, that was all in jest. It was awesome. We had a good time with it. We're going to continue to have a good time with it, probably hey. for the foreseeable future. <laughs> and it'll be fabulous. <laughs> and we're going to have a good time in Vegas because you guys have a major announcement. It's pretty major, I think. Yeah. yeah I think we just spoiled it. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're the house band in Vegas again this year. All right. Woo! Woo! Yay! All of the steadfastness <laughs> of five-year mission fans has paid off. 
I think it really did. I mean, uh, we had a lot of people writing in. We had somebody start the uh, whole event thing on Facebook and uh, tweeting at Creation, getting on Facebook at Creation, emailing Creation. So, I mean, I think that probably helped matters out significantly. It's a, it seems like this one took a while for them to, to dot the I's on, maybe? <laughs> Uh, or not no it was it was fast it was light years fast Uh, we've actually known for a while uh it's just that we couldn't announce anything until the contract was all signed and (laughs) gone through and everything so basically we've been sitting on this news for what three months almost almost three months so yeah it's been hard for me to keep my my big mouth shut yeah oh you can say that again wow oh Um, oh yep Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Dan knows oh. a lot about trying to keep his big mouth shut, so yes. I'm sure he can empathize. I'm always getting in trouble. <laughs> we can't be more excited for you guys. And and as people who have not been to Vegas to see you uh, on stage as you were a couple years ago, they are going to be in for a great treat. It is awesome news. We are so excited and so thrilled for you and Mike and the rest of the band, for that matter. <laughs> You're excited. Feel these nipples. <laughs> okay. Mike is right now. Wow. I'm so glad this isn't a video podcast right now. I um okay. So so an extra day this year, which means you guys are up there for five straight days. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, are you guys playing any parties too, or are you just concentrating on the uh the during the day stuff? Uh, well, right now we're we're just playing on on stage as the house band. They don't have us scheduled for any parties or anything other than that. We'd like to play some kind of concert at some point, or at least some like little mini concerts at the yeah. end of the day, just do like three or four songs to like finish out the day on the on the main stage. Yeah, which is what we're trying to talk to create creation into right now. Nice. Well, clearly we have a new mission. Oh, to talk oh, to creation yeah, about. Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. Hopefully, it's like <laughs> maybe like a, maybe like a two month mission. Uh, yeah, because five years would take a little too long at this point. I'm thinking yeah. a little bit. It'll be a little late for that. I'm know. no expert, but you know, you're math no, is hard. You're, you're no math magician. No. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, nope. Nope. I'm just gonna sit here. And well, not say anything. Dan actually. <laughs> has never seen you guys as the house band. So this would be a especially big treat for you, buddy. Yeah. I am looking very much forward to it. Um, getting to meet you guys for the first time in person at last year's con got me all excited. And we've been talking about uh, sending in messages to creation to get you guys as the house band. And now that it's paid off, I cannot wait to sit in that auditorium. I, I don't even care who's going to be on stage. I'm just going to be watching for who's coming, who's going to be playing before they come out on stage at this point. That'll be us. <laughs> I think that's been made abundantly clear. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, yep. dro- you guys dropped a special video to to yeah. commemorate the occasion too, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we kind of just toss that together. Um, we we asked a while ago for for people to start sending in their videos, and they had yeah. no clue what it was for. Yep. Um, and this well, that was just going to be kind of a bargaining chip with creation. Be like, hey. Give us some answers here, please. Here's here's a thing that we made that might you know sway you in one direction. <laughs> one direction's going to be there. Not that I, oh. I knew as soon as I used that phrase, like one of you buttholes would bring that up. You notice how Dan seized on the One Direction thing right away. I just <laughs> I was going to say, out. dude, your wish has finally been fulfilled. <laughs> but I didn't. No, Dan, I don't have the hair for that for, for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Neither does Dan. Well, at all, really. You're right, right. Thank Dan, you. Dan used to be in Menudo. <laughs> it's not a well-known fact. Shh. Mike, you've got the boy band hair going on there, buddy. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> <Very> good. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> there you go. go. More. By, by Vegas, I can swoop it over. You know? Get a little checkoff look going. Yeah. <laughs> a little more gray. Yeah. Than <laughs> So there's been a whole lot of five-year mission this week with Beam Down, the STLV song, and you guys also yeah. did a song for Geek Nation Tours, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they actually uh, contacted us when we were doing the uh, 
the Spox brand Kickstarter. Ah. And uh, they actually, that was their level that they chose was, you know, to write a song for anything. And uh, they ended up choosing that level. Wait, no. No, they didn't. No, but I, 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 I think that's where the idea came Yeah, from. that's where the idea came from. Osprey. I'm getting false information. That's all right. It happens <laughs> on the show all the time. Please desist. So yeah, they basically hired us to to write a, a theme song for their for their tour. Yeah, for the fiftieth. Yeah, that, that's going to be an insane tour too. And I don't know if Larry Nemechek's going to be able to talk during STLV because he's oh, going to be man. talking for like two straight weeks. Yeah, we're actually going to be seeing him uh, this weekend. Actually, because uh, we're, we're playing at a Cleveland Concoction on a Saturday the 11th next weekend isn't it yeah next weekend yeah well but by the time this airs it'll be oh. this, this Saturday I, I, I mean yeah this weekend yeah come on yeah. <laughs> hey Bill I gotta I gotta say one thing though I really don't think Larry would have any problem talking for two straight weeks that's probably that's true. true and <laughs> the thing is it would all be brand new information too there would be no repeat and it would be one oh. continuous long run on sentence <laughs> wow so first he takes shots at five-year mission online and specifically the lovely and talented andy fark and now he's going after larry nemichek who isn't even here that's nothing but a compliment because he's so full of information he can't stop giving it to us i think lovely is pushing it <laughs> <laughs> well you know i try to butter up our guests because we genuinely appreciate every single last one of them or at least i do um <laughs> park yep. you're looking quite fetching Perhaps Trek Geeks fans have seen him in the pink Trek Geeks top. Mm-hmm. That picture has been online before. That up as, uh, on, the, on the site for this episode. It was, a, it was breathtaking. Was it? Yeah, ice. My breath was taken away in more ways than one. Gross. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you're going to have any uh, – I, I, I'm sure you're not going to be able to answer this, but you're going to have anything new to, to uh, surprise us with at STLV? Could be. Maybe. Okay. I mean, we have, a, we, we have a lot of the demos done for year four right now. Nice. Uh, we actually have been playing one of the songs from year four at the last couple shows we've done, uh, the song that, we, that Chris wrote for the Omega Glory. Awesome. And it's been going over really well. E Plagueis Unum. Mm. Oh geez! <laughs> uh, you see what I deal with every day. Every day, yeah, I know. I know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel your pain on this. Yep. That, that means more to me than you could know. I owe you guys drinks in Vegas. Yes, you do. <laughs> Everybody does. We yes. hard to take it back as your house band. We. Oh my god! Just could not be more excited. Basically, since 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 last year. Pretty much the day after the con ended, we were like, all right, we're getting back as the house band for the 50th. And it's just been a nerve-wracking experience, and uh, it finally paid off. Well, I think we should put a banner up on an aircraft carrier and just say, mission accomplished, guys. (laughs) 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 But I'm boom. I I will take no cues (laughs) from from W. Yep. (laughs) Nope. You betcha. Yes, sir. (laughs) This has probably been the funnest news segment we've ever had. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. No, it's it's certainly been elevated because people don't have to listen to just us. True. That's true. um, Guys, thank you so much for coming by and for sharing the great news. We genuinely appreciate it. And we can't wait to see you guys in Vegas, guys. Oh, the the feeling is mutual. I can't I can't wait to do some drive by fangirling on both of you. Oh, now now we're gonna take it up to a new level. Yeah, we're gonna be practicing. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, so the first time we see you guys when you're not on stage, you know, being the house band and all your awesomeness, it's gonna be like, (laughs) oh my god, it's fuck. (laughs) I get that everywhere. Oh my god, it's. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, it's, that one actually didn't feel right saying it. I'm sorry, Mike. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have the, the certain je ne sais quoi. Uh, it's the farks as, you know. Yeah. 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 I get your back, Mike. Whether you want me to or not. <laughs> <laughs> now it just became awkward. Yeah, very awkward. <laughs> so the website's fiveyearmission.net. We'll see you guys in Vegas come August. And thank you so much for stopping by. We genuinely appreciate it, guys. 
We'll see you in person in six months again, boys. All right. Woo-hoo. Dan, this week we're going to take a look at a widely loved episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's, uh, as we record this today, it is what would have been the 96th birthday of Jimmy Doohan. And we thought, what better way to recognize that day than by talk about an episode that features him pretty heavily, which is Next Gen's Relics. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's an episode that is loved by the majority of fans. Uh, you know, seeing Jimmy Doohan come back onto Star Trek after all those years uh, was really something special. Um, it'll be interesting, uh, to see what our thoughts are on the episode. Um, but I think it's pretty apropos to have it here on the 50th episode of our show on this 96th birthday of Jimmy's. I think so too. So Dan, why don't you do us a favor and give us a 90 second Trek geeks rundown of the episode. Tell us what it's about, you know, at the high level. Okay. You're going to have a stopwatch on me. Uh, I'll pretend I do and begin. Okay, so real quick, Enterprise finds what's called the Dyson Sphere in the middle of nowhere, uh, and, and there's an old starship that's crashed on it, and it's the Janolan. Uh, it turns out that somebody's stuck in a transporter loop on the Janolan, and it turns out to be Montgomery Scott from the original series. Uh, he and Geordi clash and have a couple arguments, but then later on in the episode, they bond during an away mission to the crashed ship, while the Enterprise looks around for an entry to the Dyson Sphere. When the Enterprise actually gets trapped inside, Geordi and Scotty use the Janolan itself to keep the entrance to the sphere open so that the Enterprise can escape. Once everyone's out of danger, Scotty's given a shuttle so he can go back to Argelius and attack and kill more women. End of story. That was a great episode. Wow. That was about (laughs) half the 90-second recap. It proves that you are going for quality and not quantity. I tip my hat to you, sir. Thank you. And, of course, we all know that it was Jack the Ripper and not Scotty that did all that damage on Argelius. That's right. Let's be open and honest about this. Exactly. I cease thee and I desist thee, I don't want anybody getting in touch with us saying that I'm giving false information about whether or not Montgomery Scott was a cold-blooded murderer. Wow. (laughs) So when this episode premiered, it's safe to say there was a lot of fanfare. You know, this is the first tie-in to the original series since Bones and Encounter at Farpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this was a sweeps episode. You know, uh, yeah. I didn't look at the date, but I remember watching it when I was living in Denver that it was it was big news. Did you watch it when it first came out? I did. I remember um, the week before seeing the next time on an all new Star Trek, the next generation. And it was, it was like, oh my God. And I hadn't, I don't think I, I don't recall actually knowing ahead of time that this was coming. So when I saw it on the, on the, uh, the coming attractions, I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, Scotty's going to be back. How the hell are they going to do this, this, that, and the other thing? I remember distinctly that in the coming attraction, they showed Scotty beaming in and it was the old style beam in from the original series the glittery gold so to speak not yep. the next generation right and i just was flipping out how did you feel about the episode when you saw it um back then to be perfectly honest with you i don't remember i have to tell you that i saw it and i was a little misty-eyed because it was scotty mm-hmm. but i find that i've watched it with a more critical eye recently I know Mission Log tackled it recently, and I had watched it before that, but I loved it back then, and as I've gotten older, I find now I don't love it as much because I think it has critical flaws. Yes. Uh, as, you were, as you were talking about what you remember of it, I do very much remember how excited I was to see the original series bridge in the holodeck. It was one of the first times that we had actually seen something like that done in the next generation where they were showing something from back in the original series that you could actually, you know, see and, and the, the, and that the characters were interacting in. So that was very exciting. I do remember that part. Uh, but I do have to agree with you um, looking at it over the years. Um, the story itself and several things in the story just make it to me a not 
stellar episode of The Next Generation. And, you know, that kills me on some level because if Memory Service was written by Ron Moore, mm-hmm. you know, and Ron has written some of Trek's best adventures in Next Gen and DS9, co-writer of things like Star Trek First Contact and, and Generations, where they killed Kirk. Um, spoiler alert, they killed Kirk. Uh, what? Yeah, I know, right? Dana so, died in Nemesis, too. What? Oh, sorry. Oh, dude. Oh. A true fan wouldn't do that. Um, wow. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I've i had to reconcile some of that feeling because I feel almost feel guilty for not liking the episode anymore. You know what well, I mean? I think that's why it's such a popular episode, that you just hit the nail on the head. It's a popular episode because of the nostalgia and because they brought Jimmy on. If it was some other just – they rescued a guy who was stuck in a transporter beam loop and it was – you know, maybe Kyle or Cowl or however you pronounce his name, depending on the episode, or if it was somebody that we had never seen, the episode would have been a tremendous failure from a fan's perspective. I think the, the idea of having Jimmy there is what made it so loved by everyone uh, th- at that time. And probably now. Yeah. I totally think it's the nostalgia factor that comes into play because everybody loves Jimmy. Yeah. You know, everybody loves Scotty, especially, you know, older Scotty. He's got the vest on, mm-hmm. and, you know, but my my first problem with this episode is it paints Scotty as somebody who fudged the numbers. Yes. You know, oh, you didn't tell him how long it would really take, did you? And I'm like, that's, that's not who Scotty is. That's fundamentally changing the character from what had been established in TOS and in the movies, because Scotty was a miracle worker. He was the best of the best. It was as if they were trying to make it sound that he was a miracle worker because he was, like you said, fudging the numbers. Yeah. And it's, it's too bad. It kind of, it kind of reminded me a little bit of how he was portrayed in Star Trek five. Right. I thought that the way that he was portrayed in Star Trek five was really disappointing. Um, He was, you know, he knows the ship like the back of his hand, yet bang, he knocks himself out on something hanging over the in the corridor. Which that he, he can anyway. see walking into it. Exactly. Um, and it, it's too bad. Uh, I think that they wanted, like you said, it's the it's the older Scotty. It's the bigger Scotty wearing the, the vest and everything like that. Um, and they wanted to play off the emotions of having someone from the original series return. The other thing that gets me is that Scotty in the episode talks about how captains are like children. And that says to me, well, how did he view Captain Kirk? Right. Did he think that Captain Kirk was a child? And did he harbor this this secret feeling that he pretty much had to tell the captain whatever he wanted to get him to be quiet? Mm-hmm. Because I have a real problem with that aspect of his character, too. It says that Scotty is somebody who necessarily is less than honest. True, and kind of thinks of himself above everybody else. Yeah, and that's not the character that that we know from canon. Right. Um, on top of the character flaw of, for Scotty in that episode, I got to say that my biggest dislike of the episode is the whole Dyson Sphere thing. Yeah. It. I've gone back and watched it, especially I've rewatched it since we were preparing for tonight. And I got to say, it's just regardless of whether or not this is a real theory, which it is, it is not possible by the 24th century in Star Trek The Next Generation time for this to be out there, in my opinion. I could be wrong. You know, like I'm not a theorist. I'm not a lawyer. We've gone over all those things. <laughs> but you got to think of some of the things that data says. The size of the sphere is, quote, 200 million kilometers or roughly – the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. And you mean to tell me that no matter where you are in the quadrant, that nothing has ever picked up something of this size on any kind of sensor? Well, and a Federation starship crash lands on the surface Mm -hmm. and nobody goes to look for it. Nobody says, hey, the last known coordinates of the Janolan were here. Hey, is there anything here? No, just that big metal thing. (laughs) <laughs> or even if they did go look for it, then they would have found it on sensors back then. And then there was only one ship that was crashed on it. So it's not like they sent out ships and they kept crashing. So it, it just didn't make sense. The other thing that was uh, a little hard to 
to agree with is the interior size of this giant tin foil ball in the middle of space was roughly equivalent to 250 million class M planets like earth, 250 million earths are the inside of this sphere and nobody's ever seen it before or, or caught wind of it or caught it on a sensor reading, or there's been no gravitational disturbances in, in space to say, wow, what's that? We better go check it out. It just doesn't make sense. I don't think. Well, and how can there be an atmosphere and how can there be other things? There's a star inside it. I know. (laughs) <laughs> why Why doesn't the Dyson Sphere implode upon itself from all the gravity, you know, from the star? Yeah. I, I mean, I, when was this theory actually, did it come out in the 60s? Oh, I, I would have to look it up. I don't it's, know. It's, you know, I'm not, like I said, I don't want to insult any scientists, but it just, it just doesn't. I'm, I'm more familiar with the Dyson vacuum cleaner, to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you. Um, I can actually think of that. <laughs> James Kerwin is sitting somewhere listening to this podcast cringing. I just want you to know that right now. Yes, I know. Um, here's one. I, do we want to continue talking about things we we didn't like? Or well, let me just bring up one thing about the Dyson Sphere. Sure. Where did they get the resources <laughs> to build something that big out of metal yeah. that's 200 million kilometers in diameter? Yeah. Or you I, know, the, the Earth's orbit around the sun. How, where do those come from? I remember reading an article not too long ago, and unfortunately, I don't have the data um, of the exact figures, but I can find it and we can possibly post it on the website of theoretically what it would have cost. I'm going to cross franchises here, what it would cost to build the Death Star. Okay. And the, the Death Star was nowhere near the size of a Dyson Sphere, nothing like a Dyson Sphere. And the amount of material and cost and labor and time is just impossible. So now let's multiply that by about 200 million. And it just doesn't compute. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's let's talk about some of the things you did like about this episode. What what worked for you? The holodeck. The holodeck scene um with Picard and and Scotty was was very very well acted by both. I liked how Picard talked about how there was a constitution class starship uh the fleet museum. I believe this is, was this the first time that the enterprise, the original enterprise was referred to as a constitution class starship? I forget. You mean in next gen? Yeah, I believe it might've been. I don't know. Well, they went to such great lengths early on to not mention the original series. Yeah. That that's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was well done. Like I said, um, I liked uh, the discussion that they had. I I don't want to. I don't want to backtrack and get into things I didn't like. But one thing I did not like about this scene in particular, although I like the scene as a whole, Scotty's accent in this scene in particular. Maybe it's because he's drunk, drinking the green stuff, but it's very not Scottish. <laughs> Mister Laforge. <laughs> Laforge. Yeah. That's like yeah. he goes all French on the last name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What did you like about it? You know, I liked some of the the scenes between Jordy and Scotty. I liked it especially early on when Jordy had to tell him you're in the way because there was conflict and mm-hmm. that's something that didn't happen in the Roddenberry universe. Yep. You know, so not only was there conflict between Starfleet officers, there was conflict between the original series and the next generation mm-hmm. and it was cool because Jordy was delivering an unpopular message but it was the right message to deliver. And then later I really appreciated the way they worked together. On the Janolan? On the Janolan. I thought yeah. that that was a really nicely written scene and Ron Moore did a great job with that. But there's a lot of stuff in the middle that that didn't work for me. I will say that the scene with Picard worked for me but not as well as the Jordy stuff. Okay. The Picard uh, scene seemed forced. Really? Okay. Um, I I also like one of the things I liked from the Janolan is the Janolan was from 60 or 70 years in the past. The panels were the movie panels. Right. It, I liked how they had that continuity. I liked how Scotty referenced some past episodes. He referenced Wolf in the Fold mm-hmm. with Argelius and he referenced um, the Dolman of, of uh, Elan of Troyes. Yep. Um, so I liked that 
aspect of it as well. It kind of gave fans at the time something that they wanted was, okay, we've been doing it TNG for a long time. We love it. It cemented itself as pure Star Trek. Let's pull a little memory into it a little bit. And I think this episode did that very well. Yeah, I think they did it well without overdoing it because there's always that danger. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I agree. Yep. 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 Um, I will say that one other thing that I that I will I will um, take issue with, I guess, is the best way to say it, is I thought that there was a an important error in the episode itself in terms of the story and how the Enterprise got saved, and and I'll 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 explain what I mean and let me know if you agree with it or not. Um, as we know, at the, at the end of the episode, the doors are starting to close or they're open and they're going to start closing. The Enterprise is trying to get out of the sphere and they, they can't keep the doors open. So they figure that they will use the shields of the Janolan to keep the doors open long enough so that the Enterprise can get through them. And then everybody will be safe and happy and they'll go on Argelius and kill women. Um, wow. <clears throat> well, but I got a question about that. During the escape, quote-unquote, where the Enterprise is shooting towards the Janolan, Picard orders them to energize to beam aboard Scotty and Geordi, and then they're going to fire torpedoes to destroy the Janolan. That beam-out takes place while the shields on the Janolan are still up. Right. And there's no indication or anything said that they could break through those shields with their new technology because it's old Federation technology or I don't know, maybe the prefix code, any of that stuff that's never mentioned. So I got to have kind of a philosophical problem with how they were able to solve getting out of that sphere. And I think that, you know, in years past, they've tried to retcon it to some extent, come up with an excuse as to why they were able to do it. But the fact remains is that the shields were up and they shouldn't have been able to transport Right. It's just that simple. So you agree with me? Uh, I do. There is a first time for everything. Although we disagree on one thing in this episode. What's that? And that is the transporter effect. So you just brought up the fact that the Janolin was using the movie era console. Oh, that's right. That's right. It should not have been using the original series era transporter effects and sound effects. Very good point. Yep. You are absolutely right. It should have been using the ones from the movies. And. Honestly, those were a little more like the next generation ones. True. So I get why they did it for nostalgia, mm-hmm. but as a nitpick, as a geek watching this episode, it totally doesn't fit. You're right. And talk about pulling at the heartstrings because that's still before the title sequence starts. Right. So it's, oh my God, it's the original series, Beam In, and it's Scotty, Fade to Black, Star Trek Next Generation, da, 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 all that stuff. So that's kind of I can see why they did it, but you are 100% right. It should have been a different transporter sequence. And I remember when I watched this, I just looked it up. It was October of 1992. So sweeps, isn't it? Uh, November usually. So it was before okay. sweeps. Okay. So I'm watching this in 1992 and the Enterprise has just destroyed the Janolan and flown through the door and kind of turned on its side and flown yes. out. Mm-hmm. And right after that happens, Scotty and Jordy are walking off the transporter pad. I'm like... Wait a second. Wait a second. This was before I knew anything about inertial dampeners in 1992. And I'm saying to myself, how could that happen? <laughs> and now I think to myself, you know, for, for crying out loud, they shake on the bridge when lasers hit the shields. And I don't mean phasers. I mean lasers. Right. Yep. Weak lasers can hit the shields and they're throwing themselves all over the bridge. The <laughs> ship can turn on a 90 degree angle to where it was before and nobody moves. Those inertial dampers <laughs> are pretty awesome. <laughs> when they need to be. <laughs> um, one other thing that I'm going to point out, and I say it half jokingly, but you'll know why after I say it. I love the holodeck scene with the Enterprise Bridge, the original series Enterprise Bridge. But the holodeck version of that Enterprise Bridge is incorrect. Mm -hmm. The captain's chair in the holodeck has black armrests. If you go back and watch this episode, the armrests are black. And we know that the actual chair had wooden colored, an actual wooden armrest. And we know that because, you know, we've been on the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we've uh we've been on the bridge yeah yeah we've been in that chair we sat there um just a little nitpick to have a little fun but um for nostalgia reason reasons reasons uh 
I enjoyed the episode, but I would, if I had to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the overall story, I would have to give it a thumbs down. I have to correct myself on one thing. Mm-mm. I had said earlier this was the first time we'd seen a TOS character since Bones, and it's not because Spock happened the season before in Unification. Reunification was season four, right? Oh, that's right. Uh, it was season yeah. five because Relics was season six. Season five, yes. Sorry, yeah. Um, uh, so before you know, people correct us, I do recognize my mistake. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. It's interesting when you think about it, about all the times that Star Trek has pulled on those strings. You had McCoy in a counter at Firepoint, and you had Spock in uh, Reunification, Scotty in Relics. Kirk in generation generations, uh, it when you think about it, they kind of did it a lot. Yeah, who are the only characters that they didn't bring back that were major characters on uh, uh, on the original series? Horror, they didn't bring horror back. No, nope. Chekhov showed up in Renegades. <laughs> well, he showed up in Generations. In Generations, yeah, and Scotty did as well. Right. Um, so they Sa- even Sarek showed up in TNG in season three. Yeah, yeah. I forgot him too. Look at that. That's all right. Let the hate mail flow. Oh, I sent mine. What kind of true fan can call himself a Trek geek if he doesn't know that? That's right. (laughs) So, yeah, if I come down on the episode, there are some good character moments in this episode. But for me, it's kind of undone by some of – by the B story. I think yeah. the B story really hurts this episode, and and the fact that as much as I love Ron Moore's work, um, I mean his stuff on DS Nine are some of my favorite episodes of all time. But when I take a look at just getting the character of Scotty fundamentally wrong on a couple of levels and changing the character that I know, I have to say this episode gets a thumbs down for me, and it's a very reluctant one. I want to love this episode because I love Jimmy so much, right? Um. Can you imagine? Okay. All right. Now, this has not happened. I'm, I'm going to say this right off the bat. This is not something that has happened. I am just playing what-if games. What would you think if they signed Ron Moore onto the new series? Um, I I would <laughs> be stunned. <laughs> it would make me wonder what's happening with Outlander because I know that all his time and Ira Stephen Bear's time is pretty much sucked up by that right now. Right. And rightfully so because it's a great series. Mm-hmm. Um, just thought of it off the top of my head. Would it be great? Absolutely. Is it going to happen? I honestly don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so as well. It just popped in my head because we both appreciate what Ron Moore did uh, back in the day when uh, when this was on. The other thing I wished had happened in this episode was, you know, I wish they hadn't cut the deleted scene between Troy and Scotty. I only recently knew about that. Really. Yeah. When I was doing the album cover stuff, um, I noticed a couple still shots of it. So I did some more searching on it. And you're right. It was a very well done scene. And and you got to wonder why they would keep a scene like that out and not remove something else that might have been less important. I think it was a mistake. They could have easily cut something else. Um, You know, I, I don't know. But I, what did you think of the dis- decision to just let Scotty fly off into the sunset with a shuttlecraft? <laughs> I'm wondering if they did that with the hopes that they might be able to do another episode with him later. I, to be honest, I didn't like that as the ending. It left it like, eh? he has no supplies that we know of. Where's he going to go? Um, it wasn't the, I don't think it was the best way for a send off of someone who was a rank of captain. First of all, whether he's retired or not, um, it, it didn't, it didn't really work for me. What about you? It didn't really work for me because I would have thought that the Enterprise would have taken him to where he was going to go. And I thought it could have been a decent two-part episode with some kind of conflict or resolution that needed to occur at his destination. Interesting. You know, perhaps Scotty gets to contribute even more. I thought it could have been an interesting wrinkle for the character. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, perhaps some better scenes, you know, with, with additional cast members. I thought they could have expounded on the story a little more. It just seemed like, all right, here you go. See you later. We're going to let you go on your way. I got to wonder if this was a heavy um, special effect episode, in my opinion, in terms of all the exterior shots and stuff like that. You got to wonder if they just budget-wise needed to wrap it up quickly. I think we know somebody who could tell us. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be mean. Yeah. <laughs> we know somebody who could tell us. Yes. We're sure some of our listeners could tell us too, Dan, and um, maybe some of them will. Who knows? Give us a call. Shoot us an email. Shoot us a tweet. Speaking of which, people should give us a call anyway to give us their Star Trek remembrances. There might be a way by which they can do that for our Trek 50 campaign, isn't there, Dan? Yes, there is, Bill. And I'm going to tell you how to do that, everybody, right now. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we want everybody out there to be part of our celebration of Star Trek's 50th anniversary. And tell us about the first time that you ever watched Star Trek for our special Trek 50 project. All you have to do is leave us a message telling us how you began your special Trek. Uh, The thing that unites us all as fans is our love of these stories and of these characters, and everybody's story truly is unique. Uh, We take all of your messages, or what we're going to do is we're going to take all of your messages and we're going to publish them as a special podcast episode for Star Trek's 50th anniversary later on this year in September. Um, Give us a call directly at 508-784-1701 and leave us a voicemail or record a message right on our website website at trekgeeks.com and send it to us please remember to tell us your name and where you're calling from and also please try to keep your message to a maximum of three minutes so that we can include everybody's message in the podcast Uh, for more information go ahead and uh, go to our special page that we have set up at trekgeeks.com slash trek 50 and you'll find all of the gory details right there written by our very own bill smith Oh, thank you, Dan. I really appreciate that. I never That never gets old. I know, really? <laughs> we also want to take a moment to thank the guys you heard earlier here on this podcast, the guys in Five Year Mission, your house band for oh! Star Trek Las Vegas 2016. That is such great news, man. I'm so psyched. I actually literally have to wonder, from a personal perspective, what is the bigger news announcement? Five-year mission, being the house band at Vegas, or Ron Roddenberry being assigned to be part of the team on Star Trek 2017. They're both such huge stories for me. I love the fact that they're going to be on stage at the at the convention in Vegas. It's going to add uh, an element and a, and a vibe to the con that, that you just won't believe, man. You're going to love it. Uh, I can tell you that firsthand. We're going to have a great time. So please head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Get yourself some year one, year two, year three, Trouble with Tribbles and Spock's brain. Load up on that stuff. So when they're playing that music on stage in between segments of the convention, you can rock out with your Spock out. Wow. (laughs) Spock away, sir. I ceased and desist thee. I am ceased and I am desisted. (laughs) Well, Dan, for now, that is episode 50, number 5-0 of Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. Here's to 50 more. Yes, sir. You know, next year around this time, I think we'll be talking about number 100. Number 100. That's good grammar, Ty. Uh, Ty? (laughs) Caddyshack. Oh, Oh, that's right. (laughs) I I know. Wow. (laughs) Wow. On that note, we hope you all live long and prosper. So let me tell you this, man. Relics could have actually been the Janolan crashing into a giant coconut in space, and it would have made more friggin' sense than that damn Dyson Sphere. Peace out.
conscience clear Choice locked in Like geocentric orbits Finish